you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in Acts 1, 4 through 9, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Amen. So Matthew 28 was the last paragraph of the last chapter of the book of Matthew, in case you want to know where were we that there. And then book of Acts, beginning of Acts, read several verses right there in the beginning of Acts. I want to take a few moments and I want us to pray about these scriptures that we just read. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we're so thankful for, again, just your love and your grace. Lord, you've set us free. It's so amazing. And Lord, we don't want to keep this freedom to ourselves. Lord, we want the whole world to know you and the freedom and the hope that you have. You have given us clearly this great commission. You have sent your spirit to empower us. So I pray that we would be spirit-empowered people that share our faith, that take the good news with us everywhere we go as we live our lives. Lord, I just pray that we would be a people who are reinvigorated with a passion to share about your love, to share about what you have done in our life. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that does not take your grace for granted, that we'd not be a people that just hoard your love and your power and your freedom for us, but Lord, we would give that to the world around us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a burden, a passion, a greater desire to share your love and your gospel with the world. Lord, would you stir that within us, I pray. Lord, may we live out these words. And again, we ask that your spirit would empower us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're in the final week of this series called Love, Live, Lead. We've been walking through our mission statement. We really want to live out our mission statement. We don't want it to be just a nice phrase that we talk about, but we want to live this out best we possibly can. And so the mission statement is, and if you know it, go ahead and recite it with me. Love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. So we want to live that out the best we possibly can, individually and collectively as a church. And so the series that we've been in for the last three weeks, this is the fourth week, is called Love, Live, Lead. Breaking down, what does that mean? We've talked about this for a couple of years We've said it over and over again, but what does it mean to love people? We spent two weeks on that. What does it mean to live like Jesus? We talked about that last week. And then today we're going to talk about leading others to him. I started off with this quote by Leslie Newbegin. I wanted to share this again at the end of this series, but Leslie Newbegin, he said this. He was a British theologian. He said, the question is not, does God's church have a mission? The question is, does God's mission have a church? And I pray that we would be a church that says, yes, we will respond. We know you've given us a mission. We will be a church that's on the mission that you've given us, Jesus. That's our heart. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That is why, friends, we are having a grand opening seven days from today. It's next Sunday. 
We've been talking about it for quite you know, a couple of months. Really, really started talking about it the first week of June. If you were with us the first week of June, we started talking about a grand opening, this thing called the grand opening that we're going to do at the end of October. Well, that is seven days from today. So here we go. Uh, it's going to be exciting. So I want to take a moment and just, just kind of talk about the grand opening, have a little family talk if, if we could. In fact, all of today kind of feels like a family talk as we really look at some very important fundamental things for you and I as followers of Christ and as believers. That's really what this whole series has been about. Let's look at the basics, the fundamentals on who we're called to be and how we're called to live as God's people and as a church. We can never get rid of the fundamentals. We want, sometimes it's good for us to go back and say, what is really, really important? And let's narrow our focus and make sure we do that which we are really supposed to be doing because we can get busy doing lots of other stuff and neglect the main purpose of our church. So that's really what this whole series is all about. But let's talk about the grand opening for a few moments, seven days away, and here's what we said about the grand opening. It is the grand opening of a church that exists to reach the unchurched. That's what we're wanting to do, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in detail in a few moments, but that's the description. What's the grand opening? What's it all about? Well, here, here it is. It's the grand opening of a church that exists to reach the unchurched. And so just a couple of updates. Uh, talked about last Saturday, we want to do a work party. Or sorry, last Sunday I mentioned it, but this coming Saturday is a work party. If you want to come and join us for this work party, we could use your help, your muscles, your manpower, even if you just can, can move a rake and do some rocks. Maybe you got a wheelbarrow. We're going to do some landscaping stuff. We're going to do some painting. We could use your help. So sign up on the Connect card and let us know if you can show up this Saturday in fact, we're going to start bright and early Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Because we got some work to do before it gets too hot. Let's just, let's, let's do it. So we'd love for you to join us if you can this Saturday. If you can't make it at 7, but you can come at 8 or 9 or 10, awesome. Just sign up on the Connect card. Let us know because many hands makes light work. And it's more fun, too. So come and join us. We're going to have a work party and uh, just keep making this property and our building look even better uh, than it is. So that's in preparation, obviously, for the next Sunday, which is the grand opening. And so we're going to have lots of fun celebrating things next Sunday. Uh, you know, just got a few, I don't know, surprises and things that we're going to unveil. It's just going to be a lot of fun. But we're having water baptisms. That's something we're looking forward to celebrating next Sunday. Several people have already signed up for water baptisms. If you've never been baptized in water, I'd encourage you to do it next Sunday. This is you going public with your faith in Jesus. In fact, if you're saying yes to Jesus today and committing to following him, come on, let us know, and then let's get baptized next Sunday. And so we'll follow up with you on what it means, the significance of that, all the details. But we're going to celebrate water baptisms, and that's going to be after the second service only, by the way. All the festivities that we're going to do, the, the celebration part, we'll have some celebration in the service, obviously, but then after the second service, we're going to have a food truck, water baptisms, kids' activities, it's going to kind of hang out. So if you come back here next Sunday and you come to first service like you are today, uh, that's great. You can come here to first service, you can go home, you can relax a little bit, and come back after second service and hang out with us, celebrate the water baptisms, the grand opening ceremony, and just have some lunch, and it used to be fun. And so as we do that, I just want to at least say this too. We want to make sure we continue to do a good job with the social distancing, make sure we keep it safe for people. And I don't want people to show up and feel like, I can't be here. It's not safe for me. And so, you know, people are all over the place on the social distancing place, but let's, let's be people who are just wanting to do our best to make it safe for everybody. And so we want to keep doing that. But it's going to be a lot of fun. After the second service, we're going to have just a, a party celebration. So love for you to join us for that. And, oh, by the way, we announced the new name of the church last Sunday. If you missed it, here's the new name. In fact, it's on the board behind me right here. We are going to be Rivers Church. And super excited about this. We've, this is a very prophetic name for us as a church. It's grounded in Scripture. We'll be talking more about the Scriptures next Sunday. I'm going to share one of them again this Sunday today in the message, but Rivers Church is who we are starting next Sunday. And so, 
Grand opening, seven days away. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Not just show up next Sunday, but hey, those people you're praying for, those salvations you're praying for, invite them. We're praying for more and more new people, unchurched people to come. We're praying for salvations. And uh, if you've been online with us for months and you're now able to come, we'd love for you to join us in person. And if you're not able to yet, we totally get it. We respect that. Just keep joining us online. But we just would love to encourage anyone and everyone to show up in person uh, next Sunday. And um, there's one other thing that was really important that I wanted to share with you, and it escaped my mind, so it must not be that important. I don't remember. Rivers Church. All right, here we go. Next Sunday, we are Rivers Church, the grand opening of a church that exists to reach the unchurched. But here's my question for you and I. We're going to wrestle with this today. Are we really willing to be a church that reaches unchurched people? Because it sounds nice and all, but we got to understand that there's, there's a cost to that. And sometimes the cost is our comfort and what we're used to as Christians, as believers. You see, Christians, we're famous for getting into this routine of this is how we do church. And maybe you go to, you know, maybe you've experienced this before. You move to a, a new part of town or, you know, a new state, and you look for a church, and you want your church to be just like your old church and do the same things, and you're like, I can't find any church that does the, the same stuff my old church does, and so you're like, ah, oh, this is frustrating, which is kind of the nature of church, and I think is how God wanted it. But we're famous for getting caught in this, like, this is how we do church, this is what church is all about, and we just get really comfortable in that. And so when we decide we're going to be a church that reaches unchurched people, we understand that it's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone a little bit, and that's okay. That's where we grow, by the way, but we've got to be very intentional if we're really going to be a church that reaches unchurched people. It's been said that most churches are uniquely designed to reach other Christians, So I don't mind if, if, you know, someone moves into the area and, you know, they join us. Many of you have done that. That's an amazing thing, but we want to reach unchurched people. And if we're going to be a church like that, then that's going to require us to be very intentional on several things that we're going to talk about here today. But are we really willing to be a church that reaches the unchurched? So this leads to the question, okay, so yes, but, and here's what happens, is we actually don't understand all that comes with that. Because yeah. it sounds great and all, it feels good, it, it feels like it kind of lines up with scripture, but we don't understand the changes, and sometimes we don't like those changes. So let's clarify, what does it mean to be a church that reaches the unchurched? And we've had some conversations within the leadership the last couple of months to try to clarify, what on earth does it mean? Because we, we, don't, we don't want this to be just a nice slogan or a phrase but let's clarify, what are the characteristics of a church that would actually reach unchurched people? So here we go. I've got a list for you. I'm going to walk through this. First, we felt like here's the non-negotiables. Let's be up front from the very beginning. We don't compromise things, okay? So we are still unashamedly all about Jesus and his mission. Okay, we're all about Jesus. Number two, we still will live by our core values. We preached through those last February. We got 10 core values that we're very, uh, very, very passionate about. We're, you know, I won't go through all of them, but we're passionate about the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Word and Spirit. We're not, okay, so I won't go into details about it, but we want to live by our core values. Number three, we don't compromise the gospel. This doesn't mean like, oh, we're going to be watered down gospel church now. That's what we're going to be, right? No, no, we don't compromise the gospel any means. And four, we will foster a deep and healthy discipleship culture. Because when we just determine we're going to reach unchurched people, that doesn't mean we throw out discipleship. The truth is the two go hand in hand. You can't really have true evangelism without discipleship. And you can't have true discipleship without evangelism. They go hand in hand. So we want to foster a deep and healthy discipleship culture. So it's important we set that record straight from the very beginning. Now let's walk through what are characteristics of a church that would actually reach unchurched people. So number one is God's people. The Great Commission is our priority. It's not about our comfort. Great Commission is our priority. 
I'm not gonna just live according to what's comfortable for me. Number two, we don't look down on others for thinking differently. I got news. Everybody in this room thinks differently than you. Everybody that's online, watching together, we all think differently. We don't look down on other people who think differently, who look differently, who act differently, who vote differently. doesn't matter. Number three, our identity is rooted in Jesus, not our opinions or the opinions of others. This is really important. We talked about identity and the importance of identity last week for a little bit. But... Just because someone disagrees with me or thinks differently th- from me doesn't mean I need to be upset about that, about that or mad at them. My identity is not grounded in their opinion or even my opinions. It is grounded in Jesus. Number four, we honor one another. Very scriptural. Number five, we listen and learn from others. Listen and learn. Not, we're not here to proclaim, you're wrong and I'm right and here's why and let me give you all this. No, no, we're going to listen and learn, which opens up doors for us to connect with people. Listening and learning opens up people's hearts to the gospel. All right, number six, we are inclusive, not exclusive. It's easy for us to get in our holy huddle, us four no more. And just kind of, you know, we come to church and we like, I got my friends, I connect with my friends and, we, and, and, and new people can walk by us. We don't even notice. I pray that we would notice and we would care and that we are not exclusive, but we are inclusive. Number seven, we are active in sharing our faith. We'll talk about this today, but this is important that you and I are active in this, all of us. Number eight, we uphold truth, but we do it in love. Truth and love. Very, very, very important. Number nine, we give grace for people to grow. Well, here's the deal. You love it when people give you grace to grow, right? We all love that, so we want to extend that same grace for other people to grow. Number 10, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. Now, come on, it's all about reaching people for Jesus, right? I read a great story yesterday. I won't go into details of the story, but this church bought a strip joint and turned it into a church. It was an awesome story, and actually what happens, the guy that ran this, this strip joint, he got saved, and so he came to the church, he's like, I feel like I should not do this anymore, you know, and uh, I kind of want to sell this building, this, like, do you guys want to buy it? The church bought it and started a church there and reaching people for Jesus. It's pretty awesome, so I just love stories like that. That's super cool. Number 11, we will lead out of healthy marriages or singleness. If you're single, I want you to lead out of healthy singleness. If you're married, I want you to lead out of a healthy marriage. And then number 12, we will work together in unity to see salvations. Okay, so as God's people, those are characteristics that we would live out in order to be a church that reaches the unchurched. In our gatherings, let's talk about our Sunday morning gatherings. When we get together, we got to be very intentional. So number one, we create a spiritually bilingual service. Spiritually bilingual. So we'll talk about what that means here for a little bit. But here's a few thoughts on this. We don't cater, but we customize our Sunday service so we can connect with those that are unchurched. We'll explain what we do and why we do. If someone is unchurched, and maybe you've been there before, you come into church, you're just like, I don't even know what's going on. Is this like karaoke time? Are we just all supposed to sing now? Okay, I'll join in the karaoke. You know, unchurched people don't, don't necessarily understand everything that's going on, and we, if we've been around church for a while, we can take for granted. All those things. So explain what we do and why we do it. We acknowledge new people. We wanna greet, seat, and treat people which is why we give out the Dutch Bros gift cards, which I totally forgot to mention, by the way. If you're new here and you fill out a, a Connect card for the first time and send it our way, we'll send back to you a Dutch Bros gift card. Just let me just throw that in there because I forgot. So we'll send you a Dutch Bros gift card. There you go. And then communicate clear next steps. Uh, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, even today a little bit. But number two, we expect and prepare for new people each week. We expect it's gonna happen every Sunday. Unchurched people, new people are gonna come through the doors of our church it already happens, and we just expect that it's going to continue to happen. And then number three, we aim to strengthen the believer and minister to the unchurched. This is the spiritually bilingual thing. Strengthen the believer, minister to the unchurched. I want to encourage you, as we preach the word every Sunday, I pray that believers will be strengthened and encouraged, but we also connect with the unchurched as well. We minister to them, spiritually bilingual. And then number four, we create friendly, a friendly and loving atmosphere where all are welcome. Everyone's welcome, no matter their background, no matter who they are, no matter 
what they look like. They're all welcome to be here at our church. And so those are some characteristics as we've been really thinking and praying through what does it mean to be a church that reaches unchurched people? There we go. That's, that's a big list, but just very important. And really, it's just about us being intentional, right? It's about us making sure we're not just living for ourselves. It's not just about me and what I like, but I'm thinking about what am I going to do and how, what are we going to do to make sure that unchurched people can come in and connect, understand, feel loved, and eventually follow Jesus. That is the goal. So, Here's what we're talking, as we talk about leading others to him today, I just want to say this. From now on, let's make it a priority that the Great Commission is central to everything that we do here at our church. Everything. The Great Commission is central. So when we gather on a Sunday, it is central to what we do. We are here to help encourage people and to grow as disciples, but also we want to see new people become disciples. Every ministry that meets throughout the week, I pray that the Great Commission would be central to what they do. Every small group, for a part of a small group, the Great Commission would be a priority to us. Hey, we got this empty chair here. Let's pray for someone who needs to know Jesus and and needs to be a part of our group. Let's pray for this empty chair. Uh, Everything we do, our discipleship, all of it, that the Great Commission would be central to the life of our church. And that has to happen if we're going to actually be a church that reaches the unchurched people. Did you know that most churches that see salvations are church plants? It's the established churches that tend to not see salvations. They tend to be the ones that kind of plateau and then maybe even decline. And that's part of the reason we want to just refocus and, and relaunch is because we want this to, be, to feel like, hey, this is new. This is exciting. In a sense, we're planting a new church. Let's do this together. Rivers Church next week. Here we go. But... Uh, this helps invigorate us and stir up a passion and, and remind us of what we're really all about, the Great Commission. Uh, that's what we're called to do as a church. And so we don't want to be an established church that just kind of gets caught in the routine and comfortable of just doing church and being church. We really want to prioritize reaching unchurched people. I love what C.S. Lewis says about the church. He says this. It's easy to think that the church has a lot of different objects. You know, it's got education, building, missions, holding services, etc., etc., yada, 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 right? But the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Love that. The church exists to reach people for Christ. To draw men to Christ is what he says. To make them little Christs. And so we want to be intentional about this. Individually and collectively. And so I want to talk about collectively just for a few moments because here's here's what we want to do. We We want to get people on a process of growth. And so we put together a strategy of basically how are we going to do church been having fun really putting this together for the last couple of years and the last couple of months, just really clarifying what, what are we all about? What is our strategy to reach people and then disciple them? And so it starts with love. We want to love people into the kingdom. And so this is where the love, live, lead really comes into play. Our strategy is that. It's going to love it's going to be all about love, live, and lead. So we want to love people into the kingdom. And so as you see in this graphic here, we've got you know, guests or new people come to our church. We want to get them in a, in a flow, on a process. Hopefully we have salvation. Pastor John Mark put a little life ring around the salvation thing. I love that. It's kind of fun. Uh, water baptism. We want to see people get, you know, go public with their faith and then send people to that discover class. If you're a part of this church, and you've never been to Discover class, I'd encourage you to go. We'll have one in a couple of weeks. And we want to send everybody to Discover class, but also we want you to know you got new friends, new family members that come into the church. Send them to Discover. This is an easy, like, next step. What do I do? I'm new here. What's going what do I, Where do I go? Here you go. Discover. Even if they're not a, a believer yet, that's okay. Go to Discover. Because Discover will explain the heart of our church who we are and what we're all about. And so we're wanting to love people into the kingdom. And so as people show up here on a Sunday, we're loving them. They're feeling welcomed. Okay, I love, I like this. 
Maybe they find Jesus, they say yes to Jesus, they get water baptized, we want to point them to discover, and then discover basically is launching them into living in the kingdom. So we want to equip, train, disciple people to live in God's kingdom. And so we'll be unveiling how we do that, but basically we want people to do two things. Find a group and find a place to serve. That's it. Use your gifts that God has given you and serve somewhere and get into a group. Those two things are going to help us live in the kingdom so we can grow to become more and more and more like Jesus and become more mature in our faith. But it's really simple. Just do those two things in our church. Find a place to serve and get into a group. And we'll have lots of group options and lots of different things that we're going to be starting in the next couple of months, which we're super excited to share with you. And then from there, we move into lead in the kingdom. I pray that we would all understand that we're all leaders You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's influence. That's leadership. You and I are all called to lead in the kingdom. And so maybe you'll be a part of leading a group someday. At the very least, hopefully you're leading people into relationship with Jesus and helping them grow. But we want people to lead in the kingdom. And then that cycle continues. We will love, live, lead. Love, live, lead. Love, live, lead. And uh, and. As you can see, it's water. It looks like a river in reference to Rivers Church. But let us be clear and say this is not a lazy river. It's not a lazy. Because it kind of looks like that. You know, we can just get in our little lazy river and just kind of float around. Oh, that's great. That was my first thought when I popped, when I saw that. It popped in my brain, but. This is the strategy. We want to live in this place. And as people come here, we want to get them into the flow where love people into the kingdom, live in the kingdom, lead in the kingdom. And just we're all living this all together. And it's going to take all of us together, but also individually. Did you know that when you became a follower of Jesus, you were called into full-time ministry? Did you know that? Full-time ministry is not a calling for the few. It's not just for people like me. It's for pastors. No, it is for everybody. You and I are all called into full-time ministry. I want to look at a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 that explains this, tells us the significance of this. Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. That word shepherd is oftentimes translated as pastor, pastor, shepherd, same thing. Verse 12, why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this passage explains what we would call the fivefold ministry gifts. You've got the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor or shepherd, and the teacher. Those are the fivefold ministry gifts, and those are imperative. If the church is going to thrive and be strong and grow and be healthy, we need all five of those gifts functioning in the church. I am praying constantly, Lord, would you release these gifts in our church? We need we need more people, especially evangelists. Lord, would you release the gift of evangelism? Because it's, it seems to be one of those gifts that is more dormant these days. And so, God, release these gifts into the church. Now, we live in a day and age where in our country, in the church in America, we elevate the pastor and the teacher, and we kind of forget about the other three, for the most part, just generally speaking. You know, that pastor is very important. You know, every church has a pastor, and, you know, and the pastor does this. And, you know, we have this mindset, especially if you've been around church for years or even decades, the pastor does this, the pastor's supposed to do this, and any ministry the pastor does is way more important than any ministry that I would do because he's the pastor, she's the pastor, I'm not. And obviously the pastor is called to do important ministry. It's a very important role, but I, I want to clarify that the ministry that you do is just as important. And the church is not all about, well, the pastor has to do all this ministry, and if the pastor doesn't do it, then he's not a good pastor. The truth is, we're all called to do ministry. I'm called to do ministry. You're called to do ministry. We all are called to do this. But my job is, if you look at Scripture here, is not to do all the ministry. My job is to equip you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry as well. That's part of the focus of my ministry is to equip you. 
to empower you to live in the kingdom and lead in the kingdom. And so I'm praying that you would continue to move forward and step into this calling of ministry that you have. We want to equip you. We want to empower you to do the work of the ministry. Teacher is also elevated in our country, by the way. You know, we love people that have great teaching gifts. In fact, we'll even compare some pastors to other pastors based upon their teaching gift. But that's not fair because maybe some pastors don't have as strong of a teaching gift. And that's okay. And so some people love to go to these churches where the pastor is like a big famous preacher and teacher because of how he expands on the word. And that's, that's great and that's fine. We need good teachers that speak into the life of the church, even Big C Church throughout the, the, the globe. That's great. But that is one of the important gifts within the fivefold ministry. And if we allow the teacher to, to run and dictate the church, we are missing out on a, the strength and health of the church. The teacher cannot dictate and determine the, the direction of the church. They are to, to explain doctrine and keep us grounded in the word of God. We need good teaching. We need good pastors, but we also need the other three. We need evangelists. We need prophets. We need the apostles. We need, we, and we don't necessarily use all of those titles, but we need those gifts functioning in the church if the church is going to do what Paul says here in this passage. If we're going to see unity of the faith, if we're going to grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, if we're going to grow in maturity, experience the fullness of Jesus, we need all of these gifts. The fivefold ministry gifts have to function in our church. And I pray God release your gifts. You've got gifts. I'm praying God would release the gifts inside of you. Amen. And so we're all called the ministry. Every one of us. In fact, here's something we really, really hold to here and that is every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. Because when you were, became a follower of Jesus, you were instantly called to do full-time ministry, right? Now, you may not have the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to share our faith somehow, some way. And this is one of those things that can make us feel really nervous. As we talk today about leading others to him, this is a part of the mission that some of us shy away from, we get scared of, we're like, that's for other people, but not for me. I'll love people. I can do that. That's great. I'll try my best to live like Jesus, but leading others to him, I don't know. It's, but this is so important for all of us. And God wants to use you with your personality, with your giftings, to do the best that you can just to share your faith. And the goal is that there will be people in heaven because you shared your faith. How many people are going to make it to heaven just because you are just loved on the goal is as many as possible, and you and I may not have as many as someone who has a gift of evangelism. That's okay. We don't compare ourselves to them. You just be you and do the best that you can. In fact, here's a huge piece of advice I want to give you, especially if you feel like, okay, evangelism, share my faith, it's not my strong point. Can I just say, then do this constantly. Pray. Pray. Just begin to pray more and more. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Pray. Here's what I've learned is that prayer empowers you to step out in faith. The more I pray, and especially when I pray about friends that need Jesus and just being bold and sharing my faith, the more I pray, the more empowered I'm going to be to step out in faith. God wants to give you the boldness to step out. I love that we just sang that song, Oceans, beautiful song. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters, wherever you would call me. The Spirit of God wants to anoint you and empower you, not just to sing that song, but to live that song. That the Spirit would speak to you and lead you, and you'd be like, okay, I'm willing. I'm willing to, to step out and share today or go here. I'm going to go and have a conversation here today. I just feel like the Spirit is prompting me and leading me. I pray that we would be much better at living that song than singing that song. That's my prayer. And so it starts with, prayer, because God wants to fill you with the boldness, with the power to do that. We read that passage in Acts chapter 1, but verse 8, let's look at verse 8 again. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. Love that. It's where we get the word dynamite, okay? Explosion, power, okay? Dunamis refers to the miraculous power of God. As a follower of Jesus, the miraculous power of God lives inside of you. The Spirit of God himself lives inside of you. 
And he wants to empower you to be bold with your faith so that you can be a witness for him. Okay, Jesus said this in John 7. We said this last week in connection to the Name Rivers Church, but here we go. Who believes, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the Spirit of God is just filling us. It's, it's, he's empowering us. He's giving us boldness, and he's just going to naturally come out of our life the more and more we seek him and, and pray. Okay, so prayer is where it starts. Prayer is where it starts. Okay, we're all called to ministry and I would say prayer is our greatest ministry. Prayer is your greatest ministry. Start there, friends. Prayer is how God releases his power on the earth. Prayer is how God moves and work, works and acts upon the hearts of other people and our hearts as well. Prayer is what you of God and how big God is. In fact, I think a lot of Christians are living with this view of God that's too small. It's too small. And the more we get into God's presence and we experience his presence and his power, the more we spend time with him, the bigger he becomes. Many Christians are stuck in their, their worry and their doubt, their unbelief. They don't see the power of God in their life. And, and I would encourage you to get into the presence of God. Pray, pray. That is your greatest ministry. And as you go to God in prayer, don't forget who you're talking to. Don't forget who he is. We're talking about the one who speaks spoke the universe into existence. That's who you and I are communing with, connecting with, communicating with. Is God, the creator of all things of the universe. He spoke and the stars were put all over the universe. Animals, life, water, land separated. That's the God you and I are talking to. Don't forget who he is. Prayer is our greatest ministry. Leonard Ravenhill said this about prayer. He says, the two prerequisites to successful Christian living are vision and passion, both of which are born in and maintained by prayer. The ministry of preaching is open to few. The ministry of prayer, the highest ministry of all human offices, is open to all. Spiritual adolescents say, I'll not go tonight. It's only the prayer meeting. It may be that Satan has little cause to fear most preaching, Yet past experiences sting him to rally all his infernal army to fight against God's people praying. God, <laughs> Satan will do whatever he can to get you and I from praying. He, he, he could care less if we had 10 people preaching. Uh, if, if one person's on their knees praying and, and, and interceding for people, that's what gets him scared. He'll do whatever he can to get you and I from praying. By the way, in light of a prayer meeting reference, I'll just say Tuesday nights, we'd love for you to join us. And maybe that time frame doesn't work for you. The schedule doesn't work for you. And maybe it doesn't sometimes work for you, but sometimes it, it can. We'd love for you to join us. Seven o'clock right here in this room. We've got a prayer meeting on Tuesday night. And we also do it online. We post the Zoom link, and so you can join us both ways if you want. My hope is that we would be a church that grows more and more in love with prayer and the presence of God and seeking God. Uh, not because prayer is a religious thing, but because prayer is how we experience God and how, how God moves and works on the earth. And I pray that we would just be a church that, even if we can't go to the prayer meeting, we would at least, I wish I could be there. I can't make it this week or I can't make it because of my schedule, but man, I would love to be at that prayer meeting. Just, there'd just be a hunger for prayer. That's my hope for us as, as a church. But feel free to join us. We'd love to have you join us for that. Prayer is our greatest ministry. I'd say intercession is our highest calling. Intercession is our highest calling. Did you know that Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of God? Interceding. Jesus is interceding for you and for me. And we're joining him in intercession. Man, let's, let's intercede. Let's pray. Who are those five people you're praying for? Maybe you've written those names on the wall already. I'm believing for these people to get saved. Keep praying for those five people. We are beseeching heaven. We are calling upon the Spirit of God to move in their hearts and believing. We're praying this in faith. They will say yes to Jesus. So keep praying. Keep interceding. This is your greatest ministry. It is your highest calling. It's where it starts. If you want to be better at sharing your faith and leading others to him, it starts with Prayer. Paul says this to Timothy, his young protege, 
1 Timothy 2, he says this. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. First of all, let's just start here, Timothy. Pray for who? Not just the people you like. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Verse 2. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who, verse 4, wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. God's heart is that everyone would be saved. So going back a few verses, what do we do? Pray for all people. Pray. Let's be people of prayer. What I pray, I tend to act upon. God will give you boldness. He'll give you power to pray. So you want to lead others to him, which we're talking about today? That's really step number one. It starts there. Step number two is, is oh, let me first just mention this. Simple little tool. We call it the Who's My Neighbor card. And it's just, uh, you can make a little, like, right on the card, all of your neighbors that live around you. Just a prayer card, basically. A prayer card. Pray, pray and intercede for your neighbors and say, God, give me opportunities to share my faith with, with them. Step number two. Look for moments to mention your faith. That's all you got to do. Okay, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. God, help me, God, help me. Push through the fear. I want to have boldness. I'm praying, I'm praying. Okay, then all of a sudden the moment comes to just mention my faith. Okay, Derek, just step out and do it. Okay, for some of you, you're like, yeah, Tyrone, duh. But for some of us, like, okay, this is, I really need this, Tyrone, okay, because this is so important. If we're going to be a church that reaches the unchurched, it starts with all of us individually doing the best we can to share our faith. So look for moments to mention it. Someone tomorrow asks you, hey, what'd you do this weekend? What are you going to say? Well, I went to this like, thing with my friends, and we uh, listened to some music and uh, hung out and had some fun, went to lunch afterwards. It kind of sounds like church. Did you do, what, was, is that what you're talking about, church? You know, it's... Those questions are great opportunities for you and I to just kind of interject. It's a, it's a moment to mention, I'm, I'm a man or a woman of faith. I went to this uh, work party. My church had this work party. We cleaned up our property, did some painting and stuff. It was great. And uh, we just preparation for this grand opening thing for our church did on Sunday. And so, you, I mean, that's an opportunity taken right there. And if you say something like that, that person may not necessarily remember or hear work party grand opening. They heard Church. That's what they heard. <laughs> this person goes to church. Boom, there you've, you've mentioned your faith. Now they know, at least you're a believer. And you never know what that door is going to open. You never know. Look for moments to at least mention your faith. I love Peter's words of encouragement to us. 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Every day, that's the goal. Jesus, today again, you're my Lord. Lord of my heart, you're, you're the leader of my heart. I'm following you. He says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. If ever there's a time for us to do this with gentleness and respect, today's the day. This year is the year. Be ready to share your faith. If anyone asks you, why do you go to church? Well, let me tell you why. Be ready to share in that moment. If no one's asking you, maybe there's, you've got to start there. Why is no one asking me? Maybe nobody knows. Let people know about your faith. Just take a moment just to mention it because at least starts the, opens the door. And for some of us, it was like, whew, I got that out of the way. And it builds courage and confidence and faith. Okay, so we're praying. We're praying. We're looking for moments to mention our faith. And then number three, okay, so this is just three little steps to, to be bold in helping us to lead others to him. Uh, pray, look for moments to mention your faith. And then the last thing I'd say is just ask questions to other people. Yeah. Ask them questions. Open the door. See where they take it. I had a fascinating conversation with one of our neighbors this last week, and I just kind of opened the door, and I, I got a download on their view of church and how they feel like people should interact with church. And it was just interesting to hear their perspective, all because I asked a question. Ask questions. 
Hey, you ever been to church before? Boom. See where the conversation goes. What do you think about church? You like it? What do you think happens after we die? Go, go to there. That's a fun one to go to right there. Just ask that question and see where that conversation goes. Ask questions. It's my encouragement to us. We want to be people who lead others to Jesus. I pray that there would be more people in heaven because you took an opportunity to share your faith. I pray that together you and I would depopulate hell and populate heaven. That's the goal. That's the goal. So this is you and I living out the great commission, which we read at the very beginning, but verse 19 says, therefore go, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that word go literally means as you go, as you live your life. And so this is not like, okay, shoot, I gotta add one more thing to my day. How do I do this? How do I integrate this and add this to my busy life. No, this is just, hey, as you live your life, yeah. learn to make this a part of your life. This is a part of our life. It's part of the rhythm of my life. And the goal is that you and I would infuse into the rhythm of our life just moments of sharing my faith and then moments of helping other people grow. I'm being discipled. I'm helping other people disciple. It's just going to be part of the rhythm of my life. It's not an addition to my life that I have to make time for. There might be an element of that because we got to make room and time for things that really are priorities, but then it just becomes a rhythm of our life. As you go is what Jesus is saying. As you live your life. I pray that that would also describe how we lead others to him. It's just a continual leading others to him. It's just, it's just continually happening. I'm sharing my faith, even if I'm just talking about church. It's just kind of, I do that as I live my life. And that's the goal. And we live in that place that, if we could put up that uh, lead others to him graphic that we looked at earlier there it is, that we would just live in that place and this would become a part of the rhythm of our life. Love, live, lead. And if we're honest, if we're honest, Joel, I'll invite you to come up here right now as we bring this to a close. It's easy for us to get busy in life and forget about some of these things that we really do want to be important to us and to kind of push them aside, maybe out of fear, maybe out of forgetfulness, but we can just kind of live life on our own. And we don't think about the spiritual condition of the people we're interacting with. It's easy for us to go there, right? So that's my prayer, is that you and I would become more and more aware and more and more intentional. More and more aware, God, open my eyes, that I would see people how you see them. Help me, Lord, to step out, to be bold in my faith. I want to become more intentional. William Barclay, he said this. He was a 20th century uh, Scottish pastor and author. He says, the tragedy of life and of the world is not that men do not know God. The tragedy is that knowing him, they still insist on going their own way. And I pray that we would not be like, okay, I know God, I'm a believer, but I still do my own thing. I pray that we'd say, Jesus, I want my life to be all about you. And so help me to be bold. Help my relationship with you just to flow out of my life in every area, every facet of my life. That I would not live just for me, but I would think about others. That I would truly would love my neighbor as I love myself. That I truly would love people the best that I possibly can. That's my prayer, that you and I would do that. And the Spirit of God would give us greater boldness Stand your feet. We're going to pray. We're going to pray a prayer that's recorded from the first century church as the church was brand new established. This is actually a prayer we get from the very first prayer meeting that we know of in church history. Very first prayer meeting. And we have recorded the words that they actually prayed. This is the beginning of the church facing some persecution. And they actually were excited that they were getting persecuted for Jesus. And they considered it a privilege. And they pray, prayed these words, and we're going to pray these words for ourselves as well. But let me read this. It's recorded in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. 
and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I love that prayer. Let's echo prayers of the first century church in the first prayer meeting. And let's pray those words. Lord, fill us with boldness to speak your word. Stretch out your hand to perform miraculous deeds. This is what it says. After they prayed, verse 31, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Which is interesting because they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit so they were filled again. Which is evidence of this is a daily thing for you and I. Today again, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And because of that, they spoke the word of God boldly. I pray that that would be you and I too. Speak the word of God boldly. You don't have to be ashamed of it. We don't have to be ashamed. I pray that fear would not be a factor in our life anymore. This would naturally come out as the Spirit of God empowers us to do this. So I'm going to pray this over you right now. I'm going to pray this over us as a church as we prepare to step into a new season, a new day, a new church that is going to be bold in our faith for Jesus and recognize that church is not just about me. It's about people that also need to know Jesus. So let's pray right now. Lord, I'm praying for all my friends. Lord, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for those that are joining us online. And Lord, I'm praying, God, that you would fill them with with boldness right now. Holy Spirit, empower them to speak your word boldly, I pray. And God, we're asking that you would stretch out your hand Lord, to perform miracles and mighty deeds. Lord, as we step out and share our faith, as we step out and even pray for people and intercede for people, we are believing that miracles are going to take place because, God, you're stretching out your hand. Even now, even now for prayers, we've been praying for months, for years. Even now, you're stretching your hand out, your mighty hand, to perform miracles and mighty deeds. And, God, we're asking that you'd fill us again. Fill us again with boldness. Help us to be bold and courageous for you that we would not be ashamed of the gospel because we know that it has the power to change people's lives. But we don't want to be ashamed of you, Lord. So, Lord, fill us with faith. Stir up faith and boldness. I pray that over every single one of us, Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, let this song become an anthem for our hearts and our lives and our church. I pray. again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church. We hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it. Be sure to connect with us online via Twitter, Facebook, and at bellroadchurch.com.